Let me open us in prayer. Father, we come before you today just humbly in praise and worship. We just stand in awe of your glory and all the things that you have done for us, the merciful gifts that we have that we, we see and, and every day today that we've, we've, we've been learning over these past weeks and, of course, one that we will learn about today. I pray that as we look at your word that you were honored and you were glorified. I pray for your word to just draw us in closer, for you to draw us closer into you. I pray for us to deeply understand your love for us and for you to be glorified in this. Amen. So today, we'll be covering forgiveness. It is, a, it is a special thing, forgiveness. It is a gift that makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God. It's, it's also the gift that we don't know that we need, nor do we believe that we deserve. Now, I've made no secret of the fact that I was a horrible heathen and sinner. But six years ago... I was forgiven. In those moments, the truth of what I had done and who I had done it to was revealed. And most importantly, the truth of what God had done, what the Son had done, what Jesus had done was revealed. In that moment, the uncut, clear picture, the truth of what Jesus went through and what was accomplished on the cross was made vividly clear. I remember the overwhelming feeling of love and joy and peace and relief because in that moment I was forgiven and the text that we're going to be in today is in Luke 23 but it's verse 34 and Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do and they cast lots to divide his garments now to truly understand these to truly understand these words in this moment we need to understand what happened in the hours before and what Jesus' hope for, these words are. Know that these words are not just words. These words are prayers. Jesus is praying to the Father. But before I go too far, I want us to have our minds and our hearts in the right context, the right picture. I want us to understand what Jesus was going through and why this prayer, why these words are so powerful. We as a people, humanity do not like discomfort. We don't like pain, sorrow, hardship, or hunger. And we certainly do not like to be wrong. We tend to cover up or whitewash over things that make us feel any other way than happy, fulfilled, joyful, and right. And we have a way that if we want, we can shut this all out. We just push all of this bad stuff to the back of our hearts and our minds, and then we just pull all of the good stuff forward. We whitewash our memories. How often have we whitewashed events in history or in our own past, things that happened, events that are too painful or too hard to remember? Maybe the way it actually happened assaults our sensitivity and makes us uncomfortable as they truly happened. Maybe they make us feel wrong or guilty. So we erase or gleam over, whitewash the parts that don't fit into this palatable picture that we have created for ourselves. Now, Just as an example, when we look back in the events of World War II, we see ourselves as the good guys. 
We see ourselves as the, the people who fought to end tyranny and injustice. We see that our, it was our enemies that did wrong. Which I would say that you're absolutely right, but that doesn't mean that we didn't do no wrong. And let me clear away some of the whitewash. Let me expose some of this ugly fence. Did you know that during World War II that we had internment camps all over the United States? Where Japanese Americans were taken for no other reason than they were Japanese. If you were Japanese, you were sent to one of these camps, separated, possibly separated from your family. Your possessions were taken, and your rights as a United States citizen were gone. They were treated like they, were, they had committed a crime, like they were the enemy, but they had done nothing. Did you know that there was one really close here to Maricopa? When you read about the crucifixion in Scripture, or recall it in your mind, in your heart, When you think about Jesus and what he did for you, for us, what do you see? Does your mind and your heart imagine the hours of the trials that he was put through? Jesus was arrested at night, taken in question all night, tried for crimes that he did not commit. He was beaten. He was spat on. He was abandoned by his friends. Do you imagine the physical and mental distress that Jesus was under after 12 hours of this? Do we whitewash right over those parts, thinking that the trial was maybe just a couple of hours, and then he just waited in a cell or in a room until he was presented before Pilate? We know that Jesus was beaten by the Romans, but do we gleam over the pain and suffering that he truly endured? Jewish law would permit 39 lashings. And the Romans used a whip called a flagrum. The the flagrum was designed to cause maximum damage with each blow. Deep wounds, cuts, and blood loss with every swing. 39 lashings. One on top of another one on top of another one causing deeper wounds, more blood, and unimaginable pain that grew and grew With each blow. Or do we think of what he did for us. And skip right to that moment. Where he is on the cross. Because we can't bear to imagine. The pain that he endured. Before he was nailed to the cross. Do we whitewash these moments. And instead we picture Jesus on the cross. Slightly bruised. And in pain. Clean with very little blood. Ready and willing. To take on our sin unto himself. We know that he carried his cross to Golgotha, place of skulls of Calvary. But do we just see a few brief small steps in our minds and not the possible 600 yards of torment, ridicule, pain, shallowing breath with every painful step? Do we feel the weight of the cross bearing down on his cut and bruised body? We know that he hung there on the cross for hours Before he died. But do we really count those hours? Do we really feel the weight. Of those hours minutes and seconds. That Jesus hung there on the cross. Being mocked and treated like a criminal. Though he was innocent. And had committed no crime. And no sin. Do you see in your mind and in your heart. What Jesus endured. Why is knowing this important? Because it is during All of this at the height of the pain and suffering that Jesus was enduring before and while he was on that cross. He spoke those words. This prayer, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How incredible are those words. How powerful a prayer. Jesus could have said or prayed for anything. What would you have prayed for? He could have prayed and asked God to end it. The pain is just too much. He could have said to the Father, I came to help them, and they beat me and hung me on a cross to die. End it now. Spring me home. But he didn't. He could have prayed for the pain to decrease or lighten so that it could be close to bearable. But he didn't. Or Jesus could have prayed for the moment of death to come sooner. But he didn't. He could have prayed for anything to make it easier on himself. Or he could have just prayed for simple justice to be done. But he didn't. Jesus prayed to the Father on someone else's behalf. A plea for forgiveness for what they had done. The wrong, the sin that was committed. Jesus is thinking of others and not himself. In this moment, Jesus sets his suffering aside and is concerned more of the suffering for others than himself. This is the heart of Jesus. This is how he loves. He came to serve, not be served. Even in his last moments, with his dying breath, breath, his love and blesses, with his love and blesses broken fallen and sinful humanity, extending forgiveness to his enemies. In Philippians 2, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This was done for someone else. Jesus came to take all the ugliness and sin on himself. He came to serve. His love so great that there there was and is no need to whitewash anything because in him all things are made new. But it's not just humanity that Jesus' heart goes to. It's the Father. Jesus' prayer doesn't just show us his love for us, but it also shows the love he has for the Father. Jesus recognizes the sin against the Father and his heart breaks because of the wrong, because of the sin Not just against him, but against the Father. Read the words. Father, forgive them. If the sin isn't against God, then why is he the one that needs to forgive? Because all sin is against God. David came to realize this when he was confronted by Nathan. After David had taken another man's wife and had that man killed, Nathan was sent by God to reveal David's sin. In Psalms 51, against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Jesus, in his last moments, at the height of his pain and suffering, Jesus sees all of the offense, all of the sin against the Father, and knows the ones that have sinned stand condemned. And he intercedes. He prays for their forgiveness. And he pays the cost. He feels the pain. He dies the death that they that is owed for their forgiveness. Even though they do not know what they do. So who is Jesus praying for? 
Who's Jesus showering with this amazing, impossible, unimaginable, merciful gift? Them. Who is them? We can look at the possibilities. The soldiers who beat him and mocked him and drove the nails into his hands and feet. I imagine after the brutality that they inflicted, they were in need of forgiveness. Pilate, who believing Jesus was innocent of any crime, still condemned him. Just so that he could keep the peace and not lose favor. And a man that would care so little about his fellow men and more about his position and wealth is in need of forgiveness. And the religious leaders, chief priests and scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who tried to discredit him and on many occasions plot his death. The leaders who did not wish to lose their place of high standing and authority in the community. The leaders who finally arrested Jesus, put him on trial, and did everything that they could could to ensure that he would be put to death. Or, or is it us? Are we not as guilty as them? Does our world, doesn't our world, our country, our church, ourselves, possess sin? Idolatry. We have homes, we have our homes, our TVs, our jobs, our cars, and our families. Are those things held up higher or put first in our lives before God? Now before you answer that, or think about it, do you know somebody, have yourself, or do you know somebody who has missed a Sunday with God? I don't mean just came to church, but I mean missed a Sunday praising and glorifying and growing closer to God so that they could sit in their home with their family and friends watching football on their big screen TV, sparing just enough time during halftime to show off their new car. All paid for by the job they worked 70 plus hours this week. And that is why they are taking a break, just staying home to relax today. What about sexual immorality? It's rampant. Pornography is everywhere. Computers, TVs, movies. In our society, the divorce rate due to infidelity is like 30%. And if to be honest with you, if the truth be told, I bet it be higher. We live in a country that finds it more personal and intimate to meet the parents of the person that you're dating than it is to have sex. 20 to 30% of couples admit to having an emotional relationship with somebody other than their spouse. And that's okay because it's not sex. Even our good deeds can betray us because sometimes don't we just do them to feel good and look good? The sin of pride. Paul puts it best in Romans 3. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. I believe Jesus is not singling out any one group or person, but including everyone. It is clear to see the sin of the soldiers and Pilate and the religious leaders, but we are also the ones who put Jesus on that cross with our sin. We might as well have been the ones who wielded the whips the ones who drove the nails into his hands and feet, and the ones who mocked him while he hung there. It was our sin that put him on the cross as well. 
Jesus willingly went to the cross so that we could have the gift that we could not earn ourselves and did not know that we needed until it was given. Now understanding this is crucial to understanding the words, the prayer that Jesus spoke in those moments on the cross. Jesus only said seven things when he was on that cross. Seven things. All very important. But today, I am focusing on the words that he spoke first. While hanging there, after all of the mental and physical suffering, after the abandonment by his friends, ridicule and mocking, he endured. Ten words that he spoke, and they are powerful, and they are loving, and they are condemning. We are guilty. And he loves us. And he intercedes because we are in desperate need of forgiveness, though we did not know it. So, if we are all in need, does that mean that we are forgiven? Jesus' suffering, his sacrifice, opens the door for anyone, for all, to walk in and receive forgiveness. 1 Peter 3, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Once for the unrighteous, and my friends, we are all unrighteous. We can also see this in 1 John 2. He is the propitiation of our, for our sins, and not just for our sins, but the sins for the, for the sins of the whole world. Now, before someone starts thinking, well, that's it, then nothing more to do, everyone is good, that's a wrap, we are all forgiven. No. There is a condition. You must acknowledge your sin. Admit that you have wronged a holy and just God. You must repent. You must turn from your sin 180 degrees and run towards the Father and away from that sin. And Acts 3 Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Forgiveness, it requires an action on our part. How do we know to do this? How do we know we need to be forgiven or deserve it? Knowing that we have sinned and that there is a price and a cost for that sin is revealed to us by God. Remember, we are sinners. Our deepest sin is ourselves. The sin of self is all about me. I am not willing to admit my wrong at all. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this, of this age understood this, For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The hidden wisdom is Jesus and all that he offers us. And forgiveness is part of that. God moves and reveals through the spirit. And again, in 1 Corinthians, that same chapter 2. Now we have have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Freely given us. Forgiveness is freely given. It was given to the thief on the cross. And Jesus is right when he 
when what he had done and who he had done it to was revealed to him and he confessed. The thief rebuking the other thief said, do you, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. The thief acknowledged his sin and said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees Jesus as Lord. He humbly asked Jesus to remember him. And Jesus simply replies, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief had no reason to think that Jesus would forgive him. After all, he was not one of the ones that put Jesus on trial. He was not one of the ones that beat and mocked him. He was not one of the ones that nailed Jesus to the cross. But he was one who had sinned and knew it. Knew what he had done and admitted it and who he had done it to. When we acknowledge our sins, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and will forgive us. In First, First John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Our unrighteousness, he cleanses that. Because Jesus' love is perfect, we are forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He bore our sin, died the death that we deserved, so that we may be able to receive the forgiveness that we didn't know we need, deserved, and don't deserve. God forgives our sin because of what Jesus endured for us. Forgiveness. I mean, do we, do we really understand the meaning of the word? Do we understand the depth? Do we understand the depth of what is offered? Because this is important. Jesus was arrested. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was crucified. Friends, he was separated from the Father. He suffered greatly so that we could have it. Forgiveness, once it is given, it is total. It is the absolute. After it is given, the reason for it ceases to be. Let me try to explain that a different way. The offense or the wrong that created the need for the forgiveness to be extended no longer exists in the eyes and the heart of the one who is given the forgiveness. Let me say it one more time. The offense or the wrong that was created, that created the need for the forgiveness to be extended no longer exists in the eyes and the heart of the one who is given the forgiveness. God sees our sin no more. Instead, he sees the righteousness of the Son and the perfection of Jesus. In Hebrews 8, For I will be merciful toward their inequities, and I will remember their sins no more. Jesus is our Savior. He is our mediator, and he is our example. After all he has endured, his thoughts and his prayers are for the ones who hurt him for the ones that put him on the cross, and for the Father who was sinned against. We are forgiven because of Jesus' love for the Father, and his love for us is stronger than anything else. 
Nails did not hold Jesus to the cross. His perfect love did. His love for us and his love for the Father. Because of Jesus' love for us and the Father, he joyfully endured and bared our sins. And because he did, the sins that we have committed in our lives are blotted out. They are not seen or brought up again. It's not like going to that family reunion or seeing that friend from your past who continually brings up all of these bad things that you had done in your past years ago, over and over again. No. Our debt is erased and it is never held against us again. Jesus suffered, was crucified, died, rose three days later, conquering death, something impossible for us to do without him, so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could have a relationship with the Father, with the Father, and that begins with God forgiving our sins as direct as a direct result of what Jesus did for us on that cross. And to the extent and depth that you know that, to the depth that you know you were forgiven by God, to that extent and depth, you will be able to forgive others. Okay? To the extent and depth that you know that you were forgiven by God, to that extent, to that depth, you will be able to forgive others. Christians, followers of Jesus, are called to forgive. In Matthew 6, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. I asked you earlier, if it were you on the cross, what would you pray for? If you were wrong, what would your reaction be? Because let's be honest, we've all been wronged. We've all been deeply hurt. We've all hurt other people but where do your thoughts go do they go to the forgiveness do they go and say i want to offer you what jesus has offered me i want you to have what i would want or do we go to that spot and say i'm sorry you've crossed that line i can't i can't forgive you you've moved too far or maybe we don't do that. Maybe, maybe we just need to be mad. Maybe somebody has done something and we're willing to forgive, but for right now, I just need to be mad. You're going to have to give me a day. Go sit over here in the corner. I'm going over here. Give me a day. I need you to know that I'm mad. I need you to know that I'm hurt. We will struggle with this and we will not get this right. That is why Jesus came. He came so that he came, he came to do what we could not do ourselves. To stand on our behalf, to intercede for us. For us to find the strength to forgive, we must look to the cross. We must look to Jesus because that's where our strength lies. Friends, when you read the words that Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me, if anyone Be my disciple. You must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. When we pick up our cross, we must deny ourselves and follow the example that Jesus had set and forgive others. As others, as he's forgiven us. When we look to the cross, we see the cost of forgiveness. 
When we pick up our cross, we pick it up knowing that that cost of our sin, our debt has been paid. And when we are wronged by others, that is our heart. We show that same back, that it is paid. So again, to the extent and depth that you know that you have been forgiven by God, to that extent and depth, you will be able to forgive the others. We look to the cross for that strength. How incredible, how unimaginably merciful. We are given breath, and with that breath, we curse and sin against the one true and faithful God who gave it to us. And instead of erasing us, he chooses to erase our wrong and our sin. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to bear the sins of the world, we couldn't reach him, so he humbly he humbled himself and became man to pay the cost of our sins. Jesus never sinned. Jesus loved. Jesus healed. Jesus shared and taught the love of God. Matthew 22, you shall love your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught this, but most importantly, he lived it, he perfected it on the cross. I'm more than willing to forgive myself. And we need to find the strength to forgive others. And we look to the cross to do that. C.S. Lewis once said of forgiveness, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Here in a moment, we are going to be showing a video, but I want to close my time with you by preparing you for it. And I'm sure that many of you have seen this video. It is a clip from the last hours of Jesus from the movie, The Passion of the Christ. This video is graphic and shows images that may be hard for some to see. If you are not comfortable seeing graphic images of the trial and the beating and the crucifixion of Jesus, or you have small children that you feel are too young to maybe watch this, please feel free and comfortable. You can step outside or grab a snack. Um, Take a moment to do that. But before we get to that video here in a moment, I want to share one last thought with you. At the beginning of this message, I used words to describe the hours that led to to led up and the crucifixion of Jesus. But no matter how eloquent my words or how hard I would try to describe what Jesus went through, my words would fall short. Even this video you are about to see falls short and showing the pain and suffering that Jesus endured. Jesus was put on trial for things that he did not do. He was spat on, he was mocked, he was hit and abandoned by his friends. Jesus was beaten to the point of unimaginable pain and then forced to carry the weight of the tool that he would be killed on. And that is only the beginning. It was only the physical suffering for the prayer that Jesus spoke to be answered. It would mean that the full weight of God's wrath for sin would be placed on him. Jesus became what God, his father, could not even look upon. Jesus would suffer the separation from the father that he loves. Jesus would suffer physically but that pales in comparison. It is light years away from the suffering he would go through being separated from God the Father. 
If you want to know the depths of the love that Jesus had for God, you only have to look to the cross. If you want to know the depth of the love God has for us, you only have to look to the cross. Knowing all of that, he endured. He would endure. Jesus still made the request, spoke the words, and with all of his heart said the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' request, his prayer, is answered. Jesus bore the crushing weight of man's sin, and forgiveness was given to all who would believe in him. And why does this matter? Because to the extent and depth that you know and understand what Jesus endured, to that extent you will know God's forgiveness. To that extent you will know God's forgiveness. And to that depth, you will know God's love. To that depth, you will know God's love. Jesus' love, God's love, was poured out on that cross. It demonstrates the hate and condemnation that God had for the sinner and at the same time shows the incomprehensible love he has for us. In those moments, all of what Jesus has done for us is made vividly clear. In those moments, we are overwhelmed with feelings of love, peace, joy, and relief. Because in those moments, we are forgiven. In those moments, we begin to share and grow in the incomprehensible love that is freely given to us. 